to This Is Comp, a series of Discord and Rhyme minisodes where we crawl through various artist compilations song by song. Roll call. Chris Willie Williams. Rich Bunnell. And Amanda Rogers. We are covering tracks 13 through 19 of our Africa playlist, and this time around, we're talking about artists from Senegal. And so we should start with our usual disclaimer that we're going at this more as curious rock fans rather than seasoned experts on this music. Uh, And actually, if you want another good podcast that's a really deep dive into this, uh, I recommend Afro Pop Worldwide, which... uh, Uh, from which I sourced a lot of the information for these episodes. Also, some brief geography and history to orient our listeners about Senegal before we get into the songs. Uh, So Senegal is in the middle of the West African coast. And like Mali and much of West Africa from the late 19th century to the early 1960s, it was a territory of French West Africa. Uh, And in Senegal's case, the cultural links between France and Senegal remain really strong to this day. Uh, French is still technically the official language of Senegal, but that masks an incredible range of linguistic and ethnic diversity, with at least 20 different ethnicities speaking as many as 36 different languages. The largest ethnic group is the Wolof, particularly in coastal and urban areas, and the Wolof language has become a widely spoken lingua franca of sorts basically anywhere in the country. Uh, But that's basically the background information we need for now, so let's get to the songs. We're going to start off today with Orchestra Baobab and the song Bulmamin. Baobab starts in Dakar, the capital of Senegal, which is located at literally the westernmost point on the African mainland, so it carries a lot of historical and symbolic importance as a cultural crossroads of sorts. When Senegal gained independence in 1960, Ibra Kasse, the owner of the Miami Club in Dakar, he formed the Star Band to celebrate this momentous event, and from there basically came all of Senegalese popular music from that point. No big deal. So, the star band spoke French and Wolof, but st- but salsa music was the hot thing at the time in Dakar, so they started off playing Afro-Cuban music, direct covers of salsa sung syllable by syllable. Uh, and this was essentially the popular music of the early days of Senegalese independence. So, Orchestra Baobab is a spin-off of the star band. And a big distinction that you can hear on Blue Mamin is singer Le Mboop, who sings in the traditional West African griot style and in Wolof, which is a first, actually, for Senegalese music. Hmm. The other singers include Bala Sidibe and Rudy Gomis, but the influences don't stop with the singing. So, to quote Beatle Holloway from the website Culture Trip, 
Quote, from Wolof and Griot to Mandingo and Maninke, distinct heritages were woven into the tempos, melodies, and drum beats. The Malian tenor saxophonist Issa Sizoko brought a reggae ska slant. Fala Sidibe and Rudy Gomes incorporated Casimonse folk and Portuguese Creole. The Togolese guitarist Bartemoli Adesso was inspired by Santana and B.B. King, while saxophonist Cherno Quete revered Charlie Parker and John Coltrane. Their distinct interpretations inspired the Baobab sound. End quote. That took a lot of takes, by the way. Yeah, that Rich, Rich did, did job. that to he did that to himself. He chose to just me to pick all of those <laughs> names to try to pronounce. Yeah, I don't mean to be like foreign names are hard. Blah, 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 look at me, but, but sometimes foreign names are hard. It's true. <laughs> when you say that uh, the direct covers of salsa were sung syllable by syllable, they just they didn't understand them. They just sort of learned them. Phonetically. Yeah, phonetically. Yeah, they learn them phonetically. I guess like that's the Beatles singing in German. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come give me Dinah Hand. That's how I used to sing REM songs when I was in middle school. <laughs> that's how I still sing REM songs. Yeah, but I really like this this kind of like a I mean this very Cuban influence style with a bunch of different other influences sprinkled in, but and and especially yeah the West African singing style on top. It's uh, I, I mean once I actually sit down and pay attention to the individual pieces, I can really get into this. Amanda. You know what? I found this a little confusing, which is not unusual for this set of songs, but salsa music is a genre that obviously I've heard, but I don't really know anything about it. And when you combine it with these West African sounds, it's just, I've just got two unfamiliar things coming at me at once. And mm-hmm. the combination, a lot of times when you combine that, it comes out with something that I absolutely love. And we're going to talk about some of that later on in this set but this one just didn't really do much for me personally like i can tell that it's really well done and it's interesting it just didn't really ring my bell i recommend listening to the entire album it's a it's a nice like set to have on and well i don't want to say in the background but like just hearing this in context and like a sustained like 40 minutes set. yeah maybe that would have improved it more for me too but i had the same reaction as amanda where i i found i found it nice but i there was nothing that that jumped out as particularly remarkable or or anything. Honestly, I couldn't find anything to to say about this one, which is why I went mm-hmm. very far out of my way to make that REM joke. <laughs> I think it's just like anything else with me. Like I, I'm like, oh, look at all that cool history that makes the song better. Well, it often does. I mean, you're not wrong. So we're gonna move on now to Yusundor with uh, his song "Immigris Bitimru."
Suinder is probably the most world-renowned living artist on this playlist. Uh, I admit that most of these artists are new to me, but I knew Suinder, and so do you, because he's the guest vocalist on Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. Ah, good old In Your Eyes. Uh, and he also did a collaboration with him on the song Shaking the Tree. Mm-hmm. So, Yusu Ender also got his start in the star band as a vocalist in the late 70s, eventually branching out with the band Super Etoile de Dakar. Uh, they got the attention of Peter Gabriel, and the rest is boombox history. <laughs> Immigrace is the title track from his 1984 album of the same name, and the song is about a Senegalese street sweeper in Paris who proudly proclaims in, Wolo- in Wolof, Wow, Senegal, moi sumo reo, which means, yes, Senegal is my country. So part of the historical backstory of immigrés is that during the French colonial period, Senegalese uh, citizens were sent off to fight in both in both world wars. So there's a very widespread Senegalese immigrant community, particularly in cities like Paris. Also, uh, Larry tells me that in much of many of the places he's been to in Africa, people tend to identify more with their own tribes or ethnic groups than mm-hmm. the political nations. Uh, but he tells me that Senegal is an exception to that rule. People are very proud to be Senegalese. Yeah, as a nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Larry included some great notes with the songs, and I was, uh, and I thought that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Co- cousin Larry, who uh, <laughs> Amanda's cousin, who sent us how many wet willies is this that? Amazing, at least three. <laughs> who, who sent us all these these amazing songs to begin with, along with a lot of uh, very interesting accompanying information. Mm-hmm. So, what is this genre of music? It is called umbalik, which means accompaniment in Wolof, and it is so closely associated with Yusu and Dur that he actually coined the term. Uh, as the cultural narrative goes, Orchestra Baobab were, were the popular music of Senegal until umbalik completely upended them, though they've been performing for a long time as well. Anyway, and while Yusu and Dur wasn't the first person to perform the style, he identified and popularized it. The primary accompaniment of umbalik is the sabar, a drum played with one hand and one stick that can play a very wide range of notes, allowing for really melodic polyrhythms, which I'm in favor of. And mm-hmm. so the three most basic elements of umbalik are a singer, a sabar, and a marimba, uh, often played on a keyboard. And as you could hear in that cl- in that clip, there's usually a lot of brass too, and it's awesome. What do you mean? I'm I'm sorry. What do you mean a marimba played on a keyboard? Hmm? Just like, like a, a synth, synth marimba? marimba? Yeah, a synth marimba. There's often a lot of keyboard in this music. Hmm. Yeah, y- y- you can hear it throughout the Emigres album, which I also recommend listening to. Yeah, and I'll also link to a great interview on Afropop.org uh, in the show description with MIT music professor Patricia Tang that really digs into what Umbalik is all about. It's It has a long and interesting history. Uh, anyway, Yusu and Dirt is awesome. The Immigrés album is worth hearing. It's just four very long songs. And the album set from 1990 is delightful, too. And that's a, it's that, that's more like a bunch of shorter pop songs. I, I wish I could describe it in more detail, but this, these albums are just are very good, very new to me. I plan to listen to them more. Amanda? Well, I feel very stupid because my first no. thought when I heard this was, where has this wonderful voice been all my life? And the answer, of course, is right in front of your face, you dummy. Because he's on two Peter Gabriel tracks that I really love. Uh, Shaking Mm -hmm. the Tree is honestly one of my favorite Gabriel songs. I love it. Uh, So it's nice to have finally been forced to look into this guy. (laughs) Uh, What really jumps out at me on this track, besides his wonderful voice, is the percussion that Rich talked about a little bit. There's Mm -hmm. a whole lot of it going on, but there's no particular element that's very big. 
So it feels like a lot of light, flaky layers that add up into something really substantial and great. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, like the song does pretty much the same thing for the whole seven minutes that it goes on for, but it's an interesting thing that it's doing, and I am quite happy to groove along with it for the whole time. Yeah, there is just so much going on in this song that it's easy to imagine Usundor standing in front of a whiteboard as he composes it in a benzedrine-fueled Paul Erdos-style trance of inspiration. Or note cards in red string, you know, up on a bulletin board. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's a, like, there's a, a breakdown a couple minutes in that leaves just the guitar and percussion, and it still sounds like there are about 20 active participants in the song. Mm-hmm. Each of them not quite interlocking, but all rather doing their own thing in a harmonious way, like a bunch of merry little doozers off the sides, <laughs> working on their own thing, but still... The whole works together. So, Amanda, you mentioned feeling dumb for not being aware of Yusu Endure, which I disagree with, but uh, I have a Yusu Endure non-story in which I was dumb. Uh-oh. And there's lots of other ways that I'm dumb, so, you know, just pick one. So he performed a free outdoor performance in San Francisco in summer 2004, and my friend Sarus invited me to go. Instead, I went to go see Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, I'd say that qualifies as dumb. In hindsight, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, Sirius, if, if you ever listen to this, I'm so sorry. But at least it gave me a bunch of fresh new quotes I could say to people for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Do the chickens have large talons? You know, I've still never seen Napoleon Dynamite. It's I fine. turned it off after 10 minutes. Yusu and Dur is way better than Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I would think. Hot take. <laughs> well, let's go on to another song by him. Yes, please. Yes, let's. To cleanse our minds of Napoleon Dynamite. This one is entitled Seven Seconds. Featuring Nene Cherry. Bulma sen, Bulma gisma dire, the fog me up. Hamuma, Limeke gisma so, Axigin, Bukuma, Kuma holdal dine yo, Lineke si yo, Monesiman, Linesimu, Moedilem Japala. probably heard seven seconds if you live in most of the world. 
It topped the charts in France, Finland, Iceland, Italy, and Switzerland, and hit the top five almost across the board in other countries. You can probably tell where this is going. (laughs) Meanwhile, in America, it hit number 98 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one that week was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men, which we'll eventually cover in like 10 years on our Motown series. (laughs) Which we're committed to now. Damn, yeah, we are. So this song is a duet with Nana Cherry, a rapper and songwriter whose song Buffalo Stance hit number three on the Hot 100 in 1988. And her album Raw Like Sushi is also really well regarded, but I have not had the opportunity to listen to it yet so the lyrics to seven seconds are trilingual sung in english french and wolof and and are about being a newborn seven seconds old and not knowing about the problems and violence in the world Uh, which is very striking and also something i often feel jealous of my pets about yeah yeah i i actually (laughs) not having any newborns yet to feel jealous of the first seven seconds of their lives Cherry is swedish born and her father is musician amadu ja who was born in sierra leone so combined with yusundur and the trilingual lyrics this is a pretty international single no wonder america didn't like it i was just gonna say which is why america (laughs) rejected it (laughs) yeah seriously yeah, so this and the next two songs are interesting because Larry gave us a second song apiece uh, with each artist. That's a collaboration with a Western artist. Uh, and they all kind of musically reflect what was in vogue at the time. Uh, so this came out in 1994 and sounds a lot like Massive Attack. But if you Uh, or you can basically spin the wheel on the Batman Forever soundtrack and hit a song that sounds like this. <laughs> Just that big, heavy, dramatic trip-hop sound with soaring female vocals. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. Bad Days by the Flaming Lips. Soaring <laughs> vocals by Seal. Yes, Bad Days by the Flaming Lips. Uh, what do y'all think? I like it. I have a terrible weakness for 90s synth ballads, and this is a really good one. I think that chorus is fantastic, and all the sounds, including the voices, blend together in this really beautiful and interesting way, uh, with the exception of Yusu's voice, which is like like a little bit of spice that like stands out and makes you really notice what's going on. Because I think as much as I really enjoy Nena Cherry's singing, her voice sounds similar enough to the synths. That if it weren't for that, I think the whole thing would sound a little too sweet. But the way the chorus is performed is just wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I certainly don't want to oversimplify things, but this song reminded me in a way of uh, our Ethiopian friend Gigi, who we mm-hmm. opened this, mm-hmm. this series with. I thought in of her that, too. In that it covered, the two songs selected here covered a huge amount of creative ground. Like the first song we heard from Usu was this communal party number, mm-hmm. and we followed it up with the song that sounds like the closing theme from an '80s erotic thriller. <laughs> well, his his albums cover an incredible amount of stylistic ground. Like the Embolic is really just his early style, and yeah, he'd clearly moved on to something else by this. The album set yeah. from 1990 is completely different. Uh, he has an album that won a Grammy in 2004 called Egypt, where he blends his own West African sounds with like, yeah, the more Arabic sounds that we heard. Uh, I'm simplifying this, but like, you know, similar to what we heard with Amr Diab on the, um, back in the first episode, he's legit. He's really cool. I want to hear more albums by him. Yeah. It's neat. When I say that it sounds like an 80s erotic thriller, I totally mean that <laughs> as a compliment. 
is a compliment. Oh, of course have, you do. <laughs> I've seen dozens of Lifetime original movies, and I genuinely love this sort of Roxette ghost trip hop cheesiness that mm-hmm. inevitably shows up when the heroine finally offs the man who's been stalking her. <laughs> it, it turns out I own one of Nene Cherry's albums called Homebrew, but I have never listened to it, and this this song has encouraged me to put it on the the list for what i'm gonna listen to while i work tomorrow well we'll have to check back in with you on nana cherry on a future episode yeah please <laughs> please do L- listeners hold us to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll be in the middle of our uh our upcoming i don't know whichever moody blues is next seventh soldier <laughs> it doesn't matter of course it does <laughs> They're all the same, and you oh, know it. Oh my god, what are you doing to me? Wow, they're revolting, Amanda. <laughs> they're finally revolting. <sighs> we knew this day would come. Ben and now Will. Let's go on to another song by an African artist. Perhaps Fine. from Senegal. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> from Sensodyne. This is Babamal with Lam Turo. whose name we may very well be mispronouncing. We found a pronunciation online, so we apologize if we got it wrong. It uh, was born in 1953 in Futa Toro, which was its own kingdom, actually, until France came along in about 1900 and split it between Senegal and Mauritania. And obviously it's more complicated than that because mm-hmm. everything is, but I am assuming that you people listening are smart enough to realize this by now. Bababal is of the Fulani ethnic group and is from the Senegalese side of the Senegal River, which is where the border was drawn and grew up speaking Pular. He was expected to be a fisherman like his dad, but thanks to family friend and griot Mansour Sec, he ended up studying music instead, first in Dakar and then in Paris. And then after he came back to Senegal, uh, he and Sec began collaborating on various projects, fusing African music with various European sounds. And these projects led to the formation of both Positive Black Soul, a rap group who I have not heard, and Afro-Celt Sound System, who I have heard and are very, very cool. His 1998 album, Nomad Soul, was co-produced by Brian Eno, and he's collaborated with a whole bunch of other Western musicians, including Taj Mahal and Mumford & Sons, which we'll hear about in a little bit. Plus, he was at Bonnaroo in 2010, plus he sang the Black Panther theme song and has two songs on the Black Hawk Down soundtrack. So this is another voice that probably sounds familiar to a lot of people. He's all over the place. Yeah. He is extremely well-loved and respected in the Futatoro area and is sort of an unofficial ambassador slash statesman figure. It's really cool. He does things like 
host foreign ambassadors, and he takes shipments of mosquito nets from the Senegalese Minister of Health to distribute to people in the region. And he's just, he's a fantastic wow. musician and just an overall really excellent guy, as far as I can tell. And according to Larry, he would just stop by sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Larry lived in Mauritania for a while, which is where uh, Babo's mother is from and would like come over for dinner from time to time. Apparently, he's just a hell of a nice guy. This particular song was released in 1989 on the album Jam Lili by Baba Mall and Mansur Sek, which is included in the 1001 albums You Must Hear Before You Die. I was not able to find any information on what the song is about. I couldn't find any translations of the lyrics, but I think the word Toro refers to the western part of the Futatoro region. I am sure there is further significance to that, but I'm afraid I'm not the person to talk to about it. I'm just really fascinated by his relationship with Mensur Sek, uh, yeah. just just traveling around. Well, Baba Mall's most recent album from 2016 is called The Traveler, and it refers mm-hmm. to just like their life together, especially when it was just easier to just globetrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them would just travel together and be inspired. And uh, I'm trying not to romanticize it too much because that's the kind of narrative that music critics love. But you can still, in this song, you can hear that easy chemistry between the two of them on guitar. Yeah. Uh, it really draws you in. Oh, yeah. I found a really interesting article about him that was written around the time The Traveler came out, where he said that in the tiny village where he grew up, you would see a car, like, maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. And they could hear it coming from miles away, and all the kids would run out to the road and get so excited. We saw the car! We saw the car! And now he's uh, just traveled all over the world playing his music for people, and it's such a... Like, connecting those dots is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's on the Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah. It's just, like, that's how much he spread yeah. his music. It's great. Yeah. Now, according to Wikipedia, that infallible source, the instruments used on the album are acoustic and electric guitars, kora, and balafon, which is similar to a marimba, but seems to have developed independently of that and has resonators made out of calabash chords. It is super cool, and it sounds amazing. Uh, And I actually wanted to point out the name of the Senegalese national anthem translates to everyone strum your choras, strike the balafons. So these are important instruments in this area. They're pretty great. So what all this adds up to is the song is freaking amazing. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love this one. I think it sounds so cool. I can hear a little bit of a Celtic influence in the guitars, but the really nifty thing about stuff like this and Afro-Celt sound system is how they highlight the unexpected similarities between Celtic and West African music. And I love these creative ways of showing what different cultures have in common. You know, mm-hmm. we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike, as they say. And this, unlike Orchestra Baobab, which just didn't really do much for me personally, this is just perfect for mm-hmm. like fitting into the kind of things I tend to enjoy. I think this is gorgeous and really interesting and just beautiful. Yeah, this song gave me the same feeling that Tanara Wynn gave me. This is music that feels like it's sort of always existed waiting for someone to discover it rather mm. than something that was written by a living being. Now, I've noticed that on... A lot of the songs we've covered on this playlist, they're sort of heavy on droning or very minimal instrumental melodic parts. Mm -hmm. Not always, obviously, but... I think a lot of that might be the Arabic influence. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just spitballing, but I know there's a lot of drone to to Arabic music broadly. Like, for instance, this... Yeah, this song's bass, for instance. It's just a few guitar notes or guitar chorus played over and over in what I'm not even sure is a 
entirely set time signature or order Mm -hmm. throughout. I wasn't able to nail it down. It sounded mostly either three, four, or six, eight. And and we don't uh, we obviously don't have a large enough sample size here to say whether this is a universal attribute in Afropop, but it's something that I've been taken with on this mix that Cosinelli made for us. And it's an aspect <laughs> five. It's an aspect that I'm only now picking up in more recent Afropop that I've found in my collection. I guess what I'm trying to say is that this song and also Seven Seconds highlights the way that Afropop at its best tends to find an easy instrumental foundation to camp around and then just sort of builds from this repetitive infrastructure. Mm. Mm-hmm. And my observation, which may be totally wrong, and I welcome our listeners to check me, is that it feels like a quintessentially Western artist, like, say, PJ Harvey or the Doobie Brothers or Attack Attack, would start composing their songs with a vocal melody that's then supported and amended mm-hmm. by arrangements mm-hmm. that move with them. Whereas a lot of the African songs we've heard allow their melodies plenty of room to move, but nevertheless tether them to just a few chords at the bottom, if, if, that, if that makes any sort of sense. It does. It does. I think that's a really good observation. I mean, I, I, like, I feel kind of freed from like the need for a song to like necessarily start in one place and like, take me to another place. It doesn't right. necessarily need to do that. Exactly. Yeah. It's like in this in this song, Babamal isn't including layers of rhythmic strata like mm-hmm. a lot of the Afropop we've heard, but instead is treating his breathtakingly delicate guitar like an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. His his vocals delicately brushing at it from this corner and that until mm-hmm. the full artifact or whatever is released i don't know what art archaeologists dig up (laughs) but this is it's just dazzling i love it yeah rich what do you think well so if you like the kind of easy chemistry that the two of them have on this song uh so it's not completely musically similar but there's a brazilian album jorge it's a collaboration between jorge ben and gilberto Gilles, and uh, they it just it has kind of this like just kind of loose sitting around and both of them are on classical guitar in this case just uh, and kind of enjoying each other's presence and improvising I will check that out. Mm-hmm. But first, I will check out more Baba Mall, along with his pals Mumford and Sons on the song There Will Be Time. Where did Bevan Wall go? Marcus Mumford showed up on stage and shoved him off. There he is. 
Baba Mal recorded an album called The Traveler that we mentioned before with Winston Marshall of Mumford & Sons. And the rest of the band chipped in on this song, which was released on Mumford & Sons' EP Johannesburg, which was recorded on their tour in South Africa. I am a big fan of Mumford, Mumford & Sons' first two albums. After that, they moved in a more regular rock direction and got a lot less interesting. And they've done several really good and interesting collaborations. I enjoy this one a whole lot. And these two songs together have reminded me how much I enjoy the combination of Western European and Western African sounds. They go together in just such wonderful and unexpected ways. The only issue I guess somebody might have with this one, it doesn't bother me personally, but I can see it being a sticking point, is at the beginning it sounds more like a true collaboration. Whereas later on when the song picks up in tempo, it ends up sounding more like a Mumford & Sons song with like a West African glaze on it. it's really interesting uh but that is a purely mumford and sons backing track with baba mall singing over it and again it's just i love the combination i can see how someone might be a little disappointed with the uh it's a little more mumford heavy (laughs) than baba mall heavy Mm -hmm. so i guess i mean that would be a valid critique but i love this i think it's great I'd never heard Mumford and Sons before. I've just been told by like quote unquote cool people to distrust them. So I've had to get over some unfair biases <laughs> for this song. Uh, also, I see them on our schedule at some point in the future. So and I'm and I'm on yep, it. Yeah, I've got their first album on our long list. Yeah, she assigned she assigned me to to that one too. You will both like it. Damn it. Uh, but but Babamal's voice is a nice touch at the end, like paired with that kind of two thousands arcade fire, like big epic bass drone sound. Uh, yeah. Like like that's kind of the trend that this collaboration uh, brings to mind for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how Oreos keep making new flavors Uh-oh. that are mostly fine, like the carrot cake one I saw yesterday. Yeah. Notwithstanding obviously stupid waste of resources like the hot w- chicken wing and wasabi Oreos, which what? were apparently an actual thing, yes. Ew. And you're like, why are you just persistently dicking around with something that is already exactly correct? That's kind of how I feel about this one. Baba Mal does what he does, and it's wonderful. Mumford and Sons do what they do, and it's unobjectionable. Mm-hmm. Why take an immersion blender and combine them? It's one of those... Ones that I'll eat just so that it doesn't go bad, but I'm not going to hang on to the recipe. Oh, and we've alluded to this a few times, but a few years, a couple of years ago, uh, Baba Mall collaborated with Ludwig Göransson on the score to the movie Black Panther, and it was great. So I'm going to put a clip here. And I like that in addition to the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack, they actually recruited Baba Mall for the score. Uh, and there's a video on YouTube of him recording his parts solo in the studio that you should check out Ooh. just to see like the kind of power of his vocals. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on now, we're going to hit Ture Kunda with the song Emma. Consisted oh. of twin, oh. yeah, that's what it translates wow. to. Consi- consisted of twin Senegalese brothers, Ismaela and Sixu Tindiane Touré, who'd moved to Paris to complete their musical education in spite of their parents' insistence that music is a satanic practice. Well, their older brother Amadou may also have been in the band, if you believe the old music guide, but most sources say he was more of a mentor to them. And frankly, the amount of contradictory information out there about Tori Kunda is impressive even for the internet. I can confirm that their debut album was 1979's Mandinka Dong. I can only report the facts. <laughs> the album was self-financed and limited to 700 copies, but which showcased the type of music they dubbed Jamadong, a sort of heterogeneous mortar of reggae and mbalik, and the, the album apparently got into the right hands. Its mixture of traditional African instruments and more satanic Western rock implements like guitars and synths earned them such a following... <laughs> That by 1982, they were playing for the likes of Nelson Mandela. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. Granted, their performance lasted only about 40 seconds until Mandela hit the gong, but that's beside the point. (laughs) This song, (laughs) they got more gongs than the breakdancing robot that caught on fire. The Mandela effect, the original gong show. The song is from their 1985 album Ima Africa and it's a slice of reggae it's a slice of reggae that does wash over you with a pretty enchanting melody and really well observed little details in the arrangement. I like this one a lot. Well, so as far as where these guys are from, I want to just throw in another note about the geography of Senegal. Uh, so there are two rivers, the Senegal River, which is the northern border where Babamal is from. Uh, and then there's the Gambia River, which is actually within the borders of the Gambia, a separate river-shaped country that runs uh, that runs east-west. Uh, so Casimance, where they're from, is the part of Senegal that lies beneath the Gambia. And it's had like a fraught history of its own with like on-off separatist conflict since the early 80s. So, uh, the, so that's where Ture Kunda coming are coming from but it's been reported right that Tori Kunda worked with talking he- worked with talking heads but it's it's really just Bernie yeah. Laurel right as as far as I have been able to tell I've I've looked and looked and looked mm-hmm. 
And I can find no confirmation that they have actually worked with Talking Heads. Okay. Bernie Worrell played synth on at least one of their albums. I think that's it. Yeah, because in every piece of promotional material about Tori Kunda, yeah, it says that they worked with Talking Heads. But mm-hmm. I, I think like, Bernie Worrell was a de facto member of the band, a touring member at one point. So right. that's probably the connection. Anyway, Bernie, anyway, Bernie Worrell is awesome. And actually... Yes. Actually, yeah. there are there are some synth parts on the Immigrés album by Yusuf Endur. I was listening to it yesterday, and they sound remarkably like parts that he would play on a Parliament album. So hmm. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if like there's some influence going on. Amanda, I I don't really like this one as much as the previous songs in this batch. I mean, like I said in the first episode in the series, reggae just is not something I've ever really enjoyed. Uh, so I, I don't dislike this at all. I think it's really well done. It's just not a sound that I tend to like all that much. Mm-hmm. How do you relate this in relation to Cocody Rock? This is better than Cocody Rock in my opinion. It was... <laughs> it's slightly better than Cocody Rock, but you want to hear something that gives Cocody Rock a run for its money? <laughs> Uh-oh. Here's Ture Kunda with Santana playing Emma Salsa. <laughs> Kuturu sino wa sino dangindo Kuturu kha kuya kha dangindo Mada tongeng tu agadaga soho Baba damar fangutu agadaga khani Kegole su titi babula Amrikari Speaking of cultural trends. That is what I was thinking. Yeah, this yeah. was around the time of the Latin explosion. Yeah, this would have been around the same time Supernatural came out, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Tori Kunda were a big influence on Santana, and they, they actually mm-hmm. appeared on a track on Supernatural. Like his yeah. Big, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. why that name was familiar. Yes, you're right. You guys, Abraxas is a terrific album. He is definitely a better than average guitarist. But the time has come to put Santana down. <laughs> Tori Kunda appeared on Santana's possibly truly sa- satanic comeback album, Supernatural. Yes, the one with Rob Thomas. And Dave Matthews. And Dave Matthews, that's correct. And Everlast. And Everlast. And Michelle Branch. And Eagle Eye no, Michelle Branch, is on, Michelle Branch is on the second album. Oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I like that song. I do too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. The hell with both of you. <laughs> So anyway, Santana's here returning the favor by taking one of their great songs and turning it into a reminder to go scoop the cat box. Rich, you go. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I actually have a clip here of the song they appear on in Supernatural, which is called Africa Bomba. Why? Because why not? Yes! Now here's smooth. No, please. Well, I actually I never heard Supernatural, and I thought that it was entirely collaborations with big pop stars. So it's neat to learn that there are ones that aren't. Uh, I'm still not in a hurry to hear the entire album. I owned Supernatural for a long time, and I liked at least five of the songs on it, including the Everlast one. That one was Mm -hmm. really good. 
Um, and this Turicunda one. I, I knew that name was ringing a bell and I couldn't place it. So I'm really glad that you have figured that out for me. Uh, I like this version of the song. Uh, the arrangement here is much more interesting to me than the one we heard just now. And you can spot a Carlos Santana guitar from a mile away. This is still not my favorite thing, but I do like it quite a bit. I should acknowledge that a collaboration like this is a, is a nod to the salsa roots of West African music that we talked about before, whether or not we like it. <laughs> anyway, that's the last song of this set. I just I just have one one last thing to say because I um, there's only going to be one more of, of uh, one more segment of our Africa playlist and I'm not going to be on it. So this is my last chance to say that I highly recommend if you've been into these these Afropop albums checking out the album Who Is This America by Antibalus Afri yes. Orchestra, which came out around the time of the Iraq War and is just wonderful, righteous, righteously angry, beautifully done Afropop bliss. Yeah, it's a it's like Afrobeat music in the style of Fela Kuti, who we're going to be talking about in the next episode. Yeah, it's it's a definitely heavily influenced by Fela Kuti. I listened to the hell out of that album when it came out, and it's very well worth getting. I, I haven't heard any other Antibalus, uh, but uh, but that one is that one's a keeper. <laughs> Uh, and I forgot to mention this, but you, there's actually a documentary about Yusu Endur called I Bring What I Love from 2008. So if you want to know more about him, check that out. Will do. Anyway, roll credits. What do you call this record with all these songs? This is Comp. Yeah, yeah. This is Comp. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to This Is Comp, a subsidiary of the Discord and Rhyme podcast. You can hear back episodes of this series and our regular album-focused episodes at discordpod.com, and you can also subscribe on your regular podcast app of choice. The opening theme music for this series is Houses in Motion, performed by Angelique Kijo. The closing theme is performed by Kenneth Crayley and is based on This Is Pop by XTC, with new lyrics by Adam Smith of The Hector Collectors, and you can hear their music and Kenneth's on Bandcamp.com. Editing and production is by Rich Bennell. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and in the meantime, be ever wonderful. Okay, now you can go. Oh, may I? <laughs> yes, I- I'm <laughs> allowing right you. right then. It's like a water slide. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that enough time has passed and I have given Rich my towel...